You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. When we talk about the kingdom of God, one of the phrases that we use often that we've been using every week in this series so far is the phrase proclamation and demonstration. That in the life of Jesus, we see that he talked about the kingdom and he showed the kingdom. As we continue to read in scriptures, then we also see that this is our same invitation to proclaim about the kingdom and to demonstrate the kingdom, to show the kingdom and to tell about the kingdom. And as I reflect on my own life, I think one of the most life-changing experiences I've ever had when it comes to sharing and showing the kingdom of God happened when I was 20 years old. I was in college at the time, but I was home for the summer and I joined a 10-day mission trip to uh, Peru. And we left and went and I will never forget how God showed up on on that short-term mission trip. Because of my own personal testimony and how I came to know Jesus and the supernatural kind of happenings that surrounded my own salvation. I always believed in miracles. I always believed in the supernatural inbreaking of the kingdom of God, but I had never seen a miracle or I had never seen any kind of healing as I prayed for others. But all of that changed on this trip, those 10 days when I was in Peru. Our days always started with simplicity. It was breakfast and personal prayer and quiet time. And then we would always meet with some local church pastors to talk about what we were going to do that day, how we were going to gather people and what it is that we were going to do. Those gatherings would often take place in a park or a marketplace or even inside of their own local churches. So our our mornings started simply, but our gatherings were just as simple. Uh, we, we met together in this place, in public or in private. We gathered a crowd, and then we simply preached the gospel, and we prayed for those who wanted prayer. And God seemed to show up every single time we did that. We saw hundreds of salvations on that trip. I saw more salvations in that 10 period, 10-day period than I saw probably for the next five years combined. And so many people responded not only to the simple message of Christ crucified, saving you for eternity, but also we saw deliverance and healing and miracles happen in profound ways. And if you don't believe those things happen, then I would just encourage you to go on a mission trip to a place where witch doctors are pursued more than pastors. And then all of a sudden, your worldview will begin to expand and include things like this. We saw dozens of miracles and healings every single day. One day we started preaching and there was a pretty large crowd that had begun to gather. And we simply said to the crowd, we believe that God loves you and that he'll demonstrate his love to you by healing some of you today. 
And so we're going to walk around this gathering. We're going to walk around this crowd. And if you want prayer, just raise your hand and we'll come and we'll pray for you. And we believe that God will heal some of you today. And at this point in the trip, I can just tell you my faith was just riding so high because of what I had seen in the previous days. I don't always live with this kind of faith, but something supernatural had kind of been deposited into my mind and into my heart, and it seemed like nothing was impossible for God. In the midst of our walking around, I saw a man who was lying on the ground. He had his mat rolled out, lying on just one side. He had a can about halfway filled with coins as he was begging on the side of the street and crutches laying on either side of his mat. He couldn't move his legs, couldn't walk. And I walked up to him in this moment of just faith and and courage and boldness, and I said, what do you want Jesus to do for you today? He looked at me and he said, I want to walk. And so I grabbed a couple of guys and we laid our hands on his legs and we just prayed and we just started praying both silently and out loud. And I remember saying in one declarative moment, in the name of Jesus Christ, would the power of God fall upon you? so that you can stand up and walk in Jesus' name. And he sat up from his side, and he started to move his legs, kind of his toes back and forth, testing them. Then all of a sudden, he got up onto one knee. Then he stood up on both of his feet, but he still was holding his crutches. He's kind of almost testing his leg strength out. It wasn't instantaneous, but we just continued to pray for him, continued to ask God to come. And then all of a sudden, he started to walk two or three feet at a time, just back and forth, walking two or three feet at a time. And then we locked eyes, and I'll never forget because we were almost crying already at what God was beginning to do, but had not yet fully done in this man's life. Now, all of a sudden, two or three feet side to side turned into about five or 10 feet side to side. And then he walked over to the curb and he started stepping down and up on the curb, testing out his legs to see if he could move. At this point, it dawned on both of us that God had done something miraculous in his life and it couldn't be contained anymore. So he lifted his hands up in the air crutches in both of his arms, and he started running back and forth in the middle of the street, screaming, Gloria a Dios, Gloria a Dios, glory to God, glory to God, back and forth. We're both crying and laughing at the same time now because of his exuberant expression of worship for all that God had done. Now, in this moment, it started to draw an even bigger crowd because it's not every day that you see a man that you pass by and maybe drop some spare change into his can from time to time, all of a sudden now leading the worship parade in the middle of your street. And so crowds started to come even bigger and bigger. It actually got to be a little bit dangerous. They were pressing in on us so much. And so we had to push our way through the crowds and to get back onto our bus. 
And I remember as I worked my way through the crowds, pressure from other teammates pushing me towards the crowd and me just trying to pray for people as I walked by, but honestly not even remembering what I was praying because I was having my own moment with God on what had just happened. I finally squeezed my way onto the bus and I found a seat all by myself and I sat down and I just started to cry. God, what just happened? How, how did that happen? Why did you show up in that way? What was this man's life like before that miracle? And God, what would it be like from this day forward? I also remember passing by countless of other people that we didn't get to pray for. I remember the people who didn't experience a miracle that day. I reflected back on my own life because it wasn't just a year before that trip to Peru that I was playing college ball and I broke my leg in three places. And I prayed for that leg over and over and over again for it to be healed and nothing happened. So I gathered others, people with spiritual maturity and, and faith that dwarfed my own. And I said, pray for my leg. And nothing happened. This gentleman received an instantaneous miracle, an outpouring of God's kingdom and I had the long, painful process of healing. Since then, I'm thankful to say that both Natalie and I have experienced other miracles, that we've prayed for others and we've seen healing. We've prayed for others and we've seen the, the chains of darkness broken free from their lives. We've prayed for the oppressed and seen freedom. And yet at the same time, I still have memories like like just a bit ago praying with a family all through the night as we were in the hospital together because their daughter had been hit by a car. And they were asking and hoping and praying for a breakthrough. And only two weeks after that time in the hospital, I had to attend a funeral. What do you do with both of these seemingly extremes that are all wrapped up in what we call humanity in our relationship with God. We love the miracles, but what do we say about moments like that? It's important to remember that God is present in the miracle, but God is also present in the morning. There are times we experience his power. There are times that we cry out for kingdom breakthroughs, and there are times we're brought to our knees in tears praying for comfort, praying for peace, Praying for not even joy because that seems so far-fetched. We just want to be brought somewhere back to ground zero. Why does it happen this way? And, and what are we supposed to do with all of this tension that we experience in this kingdom life? That You ask yourself questions, at least I do, right? Like, did I somehow have more faith on that trip to Peru than I have right now? How come I experienced the miracle then but not now? Somehow, is, it, is there a block that's between me and God? Or why aren't I experiencing him in the ways that I had in the past? Questions like these have been asked and answered for years. Some of the answers are more helpful. Some of the answers are actually quite hurtful. And even when you look at the life of Jesus, you see that be, he almost answered these questions in different ways in different times himself. 
And when it came to the kingdom and when it came to experiencing breakthrough, there are times when Jesus clearly said the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is now. It's within grasp. And there are times that Jesus also said the kingdom of God will be delayed. The kingdom of God is for the future. He said that it has come, it's within reach, but that also you should expect trials and tribulation, suffering and heartbreak. You read through the Gospels, you can sense this tension, you can experience the way he talked about it in different phrases, in different ways. There's a tension in his teaching that we need to explore, that we as Christians and seekers need to grapple with. And so on the front end this morning, I want to clearly state that the teachings of Jesus, without a doubt, say that your kingdom reality is now. We've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, that Jesus clearly stated the kingdom was here and now and within reach, that salvation isn't just for the afterlife or heaven isn't just for something that you go to when you die, but that we can pray for heaven to come to earth. We've been talking about these verses for a few weeks. Here's another verse for reference. And this is when Jesus talked to his disciples and sent them out to go be about the same types of work that he was about. Jesus said in Luke 10, verse 9, heal the sick. Not ask for healing. Not pray and hope for healing. He, he gave a direct command. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. It's reachable. It's tangible. You can experience it. It's near to you. And the same words that Jesus spoke to his disciples back then, he's speaking to his disciples today. Go, heal the sick, and tell them that the kingdom of God is here. There's another verse. This one's, I think, one of the more shocking verses in the Gospels. Jesus said to his disciples in John 14, 12, Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to the Father. Because of our lack of experience with kingdom breakthrough, sometimes we've tried to explain that in a hundred different kinds of ways, but at face value, you look at that, and it is a crazy thing that Jesus said. It's almost unnerving. You read that and you think, man, I, I look at my own life, I'm just trying to survive, and yet Jesus says, you'll go and do even greater things than me? Even greater things that we read about in the Gospels, that's our promise, that's our calling. Jesus said that the kingdom is now, the kingdom is here, the kingdom is within reach. But of course, as I already mentioned, this isn't the only thing that Jesus said about the kingdom. It's not the only way that he talked about the kingdom. Jesus also taught us that the kingdom is delayed. He taught that your kingdom reality is not yet. He said that your kingdom reality is now, but he also seemed to teach that your kingdom reality is not yet, that it hasn't fully arrived. Jesus said that the kingdom would be delayed or that it's coming in the future. Just a few weeks ago, I taught from Revelation 21, or this was last week, I taught from Revelation 21. And it says that in the future, in the future kingdom, there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. And it doesn't take us very long to explore our own lives to realize the fullness of that promise is yet to come. 
the fullness of Revelation 21 is yet to be experienced in our life. And then you look at Matthew 24 or Matthew 25. This is when Jesus is beginning to talk about kind of the end times and, and the things that are to come. And, and in those passages, he often said things like, when the king returns or in the days ahead or when I return in all of my glory, but he wasn't experiencing a lot of glory in that moment. He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, a humble entrance to the holy city. See, all of these promises had yet to come. These were future words and future things that were coming in the future. And there's tension in all of these passages, especially when you look at them back to back to back. There's tension in the words of Christ. He said things like the kingdom is here and the kingdom is now. It's within grasp. But he also said that it will be delayed or it is coming in the future. It's the same tension that we feel when we see a miracle or we experience mourning. It's the same tension that we experience when we see the oppressed set free or we visit a family in the ER or we lose a loved one too soon. There's tension in all of this. And when we experience the celebration and the pain, when we are in the midst of the wins and the losses, I think that many of us, because of our own personal experience or our church upbringing or, or exposure, we're tempted to at times use a very short and binary word to explain the kingdom of God and these kingdom moments. It's not always a dangerous word, but times, at times, it's one of the most dangerous theological words that's out there. It's the word or. There are theological dangers if we overuse the word or. Either the kingdom is now or the kingdom is not yet. And either or can lead you down a theological journey that you may land with a gospel that's very small and doesn't offer you any kind of relief or hope or breakthrough in the moment of pain or in the moment where you're desperate for healing. But at the same time, if it's not yet or it's all now, then you can go down a similarly dangerous road that could end up in the prosperity gospel or some kind of faith movement where if you just muster up enough energy with God, then somehow he'll release a miracle into your life. Both of these can be dangerous. Both the myth of either or can be painful. So instead, I want to introduce you to another short but very, very profound theological word, the word and. I like really big words. <laughs> and can be so helpful when you're talking about the kingdom of God. It's not now or not yet. Instead, your kingdom reality is now and not yet. We need to embrace the radical middle, embrace the tension of both and the now and not yet of the kingdom. Jesus came and declared that with his arrival, the kingdom had begun, that it had drawn near. But the Bible also teaches that he will one day return to make all things right, to wipe every tear, eliminate all of the pain, and eradicate death forevermore. 
And so as we live between Christ's first coming and his arrival, and we anticipate his second coming, we live in this tension where we experience miracles, but we still mourn. The both and of the kingdom. Dr. Mark Roberts from Fuller Seminary explained the now and not yet like this. He said, Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God as something present in his ministry and also as something that was still to come in greater fullness and glory. Thus, the kingdom is not either present or future, but both present and future. It is the already and not yet kingdom. It's already here and not yet fully here. One of my favorite word pictures to kind of explain this tension and this reality would take us back to World War II. When the Allied forces invaded Europe on D-Day, they had to storm the beaches of Normandy. And it was a brutal battle with all kinds of strategy and power and heroic stories that are told over and over and over again. And it led to incredible breakthrough in the European front. And by claiming that victory on the battlefield, most historians would say that it was the beginning to an end, that the victory at D-Day ushered in a new reality in the European battles, but there was still a lot of work to be done. D-Day is not the same as VE Day or Victory in Europe Day. There were all kinds of battles still to be fought, many cities that needed to be liberated, and more lives were going to be lost. But between D-Day and V-E Day, there was incredible progress. Europe was transforming back to its former glory, and people were experiencing freedom again, freedom that they had lost years before. And if you apply that kind of word picture to our context today, then D-Day would be Christ's first coming and V-E Day would be his return. And we're somehow living in between these two realities. Because when Jesus hung on the cross, he did say that it is finished. That one death forgives you completely. It wipes away the sin and the shame from your life. And now you can stand in righteous connection before God because of what he has finished on the cross. But the experience of this victory is still yet to be fully realized. Total liberation from darkness has yet to take place. And in the meantime, we will experience miracles and we will mourn loss. We will have victory, and we will have defeat. It's hard to live in the middle. There is tension in the radical middle. It's easier to just pick one side, right? Especially in our culture today where everyone is pushing you to one extreme or the other. It is becoming increasingly difficult to hold the middle ground. But it's easier if you pick a side. If you only pick kingdom, not yet theology, then you don't have to deal with the messiness of of praying for the sick. You don't have to answer the hard questions about when prayers aren't answered or the fallout that comes from a disillusioned faith. The benefit is that you can focus on leading people to salvation 
But in your leading people to salvation, you will meet people that desperately need to be set free. You will need people that have to experience a gospel that can truly transform their life. And, it's all, and if it's all kingdom, not yet, then sometimes you won't have the answer for those moments. And you're left wondering if this is all there is to Christianity. Some kind of eternal insurance for the day to come. However, if you pick the other side, a kingdom now side only, then there are pitfalls to that side as well. You might walk around with a greater sense of faith or anticipation, your personal prayer life. You might see more breakthrough. You might have faith to see God move in powerful ways, but the slightest feeling of a dark night of the soul or the first time that your prayers aren't answered in the way that you're used to seeing them answered and you might be left with questions that spin you out for months or even years. And in those moments, we can try to hype up the power of God to make him move. And so we'll plan a timely key change in worship right when the fog machine hits at the same time and the lasers drop down because then you'll feel the faith of God. And if we can stir the room enough, then finally, maybe a miracle will be released. See, there's pitfalls on both sides. And the reality is that a hyped faith rarely helps a hurting heart. We need a real faith. We need a tangible faith grounded in the tension of the now and not yet kingdom. We need both sides of this theological tension. I mean, I, I crave more moments like I saw in Peru. I want more kingdom breakthrough moments in my life and in our church. Absolutely, I do. And at the same time, in the midst of pain and struggle, I want my faith to rest in the promises of a greater future that is still yet to come. A future where Christ returns to make all things right, to promise from him that even in the midst of pain and suffering, that God is still near, as close to me as when I experience a miracle. Because of this tension, my hope is that we all learn to pray, to experience the fullness of the now and not yet. That that would be all of our prayers. That we would experience the power of God and that we would also pray that even temporary struggles would not put us off track. They would not knock us off course in our journey with Christ, knowing that one day Christ will return to wipe every tear and heal every disease and set us completely free, even free from death. So as I wrap up this morning, I want you to pay attention to your heart. Pay attention to your life. If the pendulum of your heart has swung all the way over to a kingdom not yet reality, then pray and ask God to give you a new and fresh experience with his power. Pray that God would give you a breakthrough moment where you would experience his love and his presence and maybe even healing or a miracle in a profound way. This is why we schedule things like our nights of worship. We have one scheduled not for tonight, but next Sunday night, where we can linger in the presence of God. We can have extended worship and prayer ministry, hoping and asking and having faith for a breakthrough moment here and now. 
At the same time, if the pendulum of your heart has swung over to kind of this over-realized kingdom now theology, then pray that God would give you patience and grace and empathy even for yourself and for those around you that may be experiencing some really difficult times. One of the hardest things to hear when you're experiencing deep pain is, well, if you had more faith, maybe God would come through for you. And if that's been your experience, then I'm sorry that that's been your experience. That's not how we want to pastor here. But at the same time, I would still encourage you to come to the nights of worship because if you're leaning this way, you have faith and it is stirring within you and you might be able to share that with the church. You might have the boldness to pray for someone across the room that does allow God to move. But if you don't see what he's doing, just don't lose heart. He might be moving in unseen ways. He might be moving in, in unheard of ways, but he's still transforming all things. As I close, then I want to look at the prayer of Jesus. <clears throat> the prayer that we read last week, I want to read again at least a portion of this Lord's Prayer, because in it, I think that you'll see, we could just as equally call it the kingdom prayer. Jesus taught us to pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let that be your prayer. Let that be all of our collective prayers. Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come to this church as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come into my life and into your life right here, right now, as it is in heaven. For yours is the glory, or the, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Let that be our individual and let that be our collective prayer this morning.